Hey dudes, this is The Big Game. I'm Justin Hargett. Today on the show is the conclusion of Trophy Week here on The Big Game Podcast. Brandon Kelly returns to the show to discuss Barcelona's 3-1 victory in the Champions League final against Juventus to complete their remarkable three-trophy season. Led by the lethal trio of Lionel Messi, Neymar, and Luis Suarez, Barcelona scored early to take a quick lead 1-0, but Juventus valiantly fought back to tie the game at 1 in the second half. Barcelona, however, was able to pull away, slotting home two more goals in the last 20 minutes of the game to earn their fifth Champions League trophy. On the show, we discuss UEFA's pomp and circumstance leading up to the event. It's not quite the Super Bowl, but they're trying. We also mention the incredible Barcelona barbershop, and Brandon compares Lionel Messi's hot, sexy football to the way LeBron James plays basketball. Stick around for our coverage of the X Games later in the week. But for right now, enjoy the final chapter of European Football Trophy Week here on the Big Game Podcast. Hey, Brandon, welcome back to the Big Game. Thanks, Justin. Thanks for having me back. Glad to be here. I feel like the Karma Gods really worked this one out for us in that you know, you and I came on here and talked about the Champions League, you know, many rounds ago when it was a somewhat intriguing matchup between Barcelona and a clearly overmatched Man City. And now we're back here to talk about Barcelona in the final, uh, but this time against Juventus. Yeah, I'm wondering if we can draw any comparisons between Juventus and Manchester City, both teams that are kind of awkward matchups for Barcelona. But going into that Manchester City game, I remember both you and I, I mean, the reason why you picked it for a big game was no one could really predict if Man City was going to raise the level of their Champions League play. Mm -hmm. And I think the same with Juventus. People were hopeful that Juventus would show up and, and give a good impression of themselves, but we weren't sure all the same. Yeah, and, and you know, the other thing they have in common is... Uh, Scoreline? Well, <laughs> I was going to say Carlos Tevez being a former Man City man himself. Yes, that's true. So they're, I think they're, and they're also juggernauts in their leagues, but not necessarily juggernauts in the Champions League, despite the fact that Juventus, you know, dismantled Real Madrid to make it to the final, which is an accomplishment in itself. But it certainly seemed that it never really felt like they were going to steal this one from Barcelona. Yeah, I agree. And like many things we're about to discuss uh, over this podcast, I'm not an expert on Serie A. And though Juventus like consistently wins Serie A, I don't think people have a high regard for that league globally right now, given all the corruption scandals and the appeal that it has for global talent or lack thereof. Um, it's so hard to watch, too. Like, I don't even know what channel it's on anymore. <laughs> is it on yeah, Gold God, TV I, or is it on BN Sport? No idea. Because one of them I get and one of them I don't. No idea. I mean, this, this game against Barcelona made me really bummed that I didn't watch Juve beat Real Madrid in that final game. I only followed it on, like, the BBC ticker while I was at work. Um, but I really feel like watching that game would have given me a much more educated uh, spectator viewpoint on this, this matchup. This podcast isn't about education, Brandon. <laughs> so, so let's get right into it. I want to start 
um, kind of with the opening ceremony and kind of all of the hubbub leading to the Champions League final, you know, what did what did you think of the uh, the Super Bowl halftime show esque production that the UEFA put on to start the Champions League final? There, dancers and flags and ribbons and. Well, you're going to have to tell me about that, Justin, because I ran over to watch this game at our mutual friend's Josh's house, and I uh, told him to set the DVR because I was going to be about 10 minutes late. So I started watching this game directly from the kickoff. Well, if, the, if the pomp and circumstance in any way involved Barcelona's coaching staff wearing Canadian tuxedos, then, <laughs> yeah, I could talk about that. It's weird. Uh, no, and they didn't even show all that much of it on on Fox. Um, but basically, there was like a hundred foot tall mega trophy, a, a, re, a reproduction of you know the the Champions League trophy, which is actually you know pretty hefty in itself. It's probably like a three foot tall piece of silverware. But over in one corner of the stadium, there was just this enormous giant statue kind of looming over uh, everyone, which I just thought was hysterical. <laughs> sure. And like maybe that should have been the real. T- I mean, if you're going to go to the trouble of making a giant, you know, 100 foot tall silver trophy. Yeah. Give I feel that like one it's, away. it's like the I big f- blank check. It's something that soccer globally just hasn't quite gotten right. I mean, that's what it's what the Olympics and American sports like the Super Bowl do very well. All the pomp and circumstance. Um I don't know why recently I was watching a replay of the 1994 USA World Cup opening ceremonies featuring Oprah Winfrey, mm-hmm. but it was took place like in broad daylight, maybe at like high noon in Los Angeles or some other warm climated place. And it just looked so dull and uh, not very well populated. And I think you see this at other opening ceremonies at soccer events around the world. It's it's just not quite up up to snuff. Well, that was kind of the impression I got from the beginning of this game as well. It's just the the atmosphere. I mean, you know, the fans were were packed in the stadium, and it's a huge stadium in Berlin. But there was something about you know picking a stadium where the soccer pitch is surrounded by a track and field ring that mm-hmm. you know kind of it, it removes some of the atmosphere and the energy just from what you see on TV. Well, we'll I'm sure we'll get to it, but when Neymar scored the third goal, he was so exhilarated and excited to celebrate with the fans, he tore his jersey off and he ran to celebrate with the fans and he first ran into uh just like a velvet rope barrier <laughs> and he stopped for a second. He was like, oh, "Okay, I have to stop here, but there's still like 25 feet between me and the fans." <laughs> And you could see it switching off in his brain, like, well, I can just break this barrier. And he ran and got to the fans. And it's just a shame that there is that separation. Yeah. And, and it kind of read to me like in, uh, an indictment of the popularity of this final, just like coming into it. I mean, there's just something about it, like we're always so geared up for, you know, handing out a big trophy. But there was just something about the way that this game was presented that maybe it's because we are here in the U.S. But, you know, I told you I had to DVR this game. And I, you know, I didn't get to it for for two days until I could actually sit down and watch it and take notes. And by not checking Twitter, I was able to successfully avoid having the outcome of the game spoiled for me. (laughs) And I don't under like I guess, you know, I guess maybe I've inundated myself with uh, so much soccer news via the Internet. But it just was surprising to me that it was so easy for me to just kind of escape, uh, you know, the the final scoreline. 
Yeah, I'd be curious to see how many more people watched this Champions League final versus how many people watched the final episode of Mad Men. Because <laughs> as much as I tried to avoid spoilers for 24 hours on that episode of Mad Men, it was impossible for anyone who was on the internet. This Champions League final, as I was walking through Park Slope, Brooklyn, to get to my buddy's house, I saw loads of little kids wearing Barcelona jerseys and whatnot, and it was a 50-50 chance whether those kids even knew that Barcelona was playing in 45 <laughs> minutes' time. So, yeah, I, I agree. It's it's a crapshoot to, to tell how popular it is, especially uh, here in the U.S. And you know, it kind of reminds me also of, you know, I think NBC has done such an amazing job with the Premier League over the last two seasons. Just the way that they produce their shows, their recap shows, their their preview shows, they just kind of, they have a very good ability at telling the story and telling the narrative of the game. And I think Fox really could have taken a few lessons from that and, you know, put them into effect just to really, like, gear up the audience for this yeah. final because, you know what, it did turn into a great game. So, you know, let's, let's talk about the game. Uh, let's start with the goal in the fourth minute. Um, I mean, it seemed... At that point, Ivan Rakitic, you know, scores a goal that usually Suarez is there to slot home. Uh, yeah, how did he end up in that spot? I'm not sure. <laughs> he just sort of materialized. You know, Messi started that play with, you know, a way that he's done. I talked about this last week, but it's that long diagonal ball across the field. Um, and then it just happened to be that, you know, Iniesta and Rakitic were there in the middle instead of Suarez and Neymar. But, you know... At that point in the game, I thought this was over. I thought Barcelona was going to put up four, and that was going to be it. What did you think? I felt exactly the same way. Uh, yeah, having just arrived and sat down on the couch to watch the game, and then within that short period of time to see a goal like that, where Rakitic was in so much space. I mean, the thing that people make the most of Italian teams is how great their defense is and how organized they can be. And... Um, we haven't mentioned yet that Cialini, the Juventus's like stalwart central defender, was mm. injured earlier in the week and he didn't play. So, who knows how that uh, upset the formation of Juventus or their organization? But once that Rakitic goal went in, yeah, you thought if if Barcelona is going to have that much space inside the 18-yard box, it's going to be a goal fest. Yeah, he was completely unmarked. I, I think Pirlo was kind of you know five feet away from him and there was another defender about five feet away from him in the other direction and they were just they're just able to tiki-taka it right into the middle and, and put it in the net but what I liked about Juventus is their response to that goal was I thought really good and maybe and maybe that's what they were trying to do the whole time it just took them you know a few minutes to get settled into the excitement of the game but they really limited Barcelona's open space and you know there were a, quite a few breakaways that Barcelona had a chance to put another goal up there for the first 45 minutes but overall as the game kind of went on and, and ground down Barcelona was forced to kind of you know pick through eight defenders and and yeah didn't really and succeed with it. Arturo Vidal kind of became a one-man wrecking ball in that midfield I think he was the one that responded most to uh, realizing that that space was being given up and, I mean, I don't think Vidal was playing very well. He was going to ground for every tackle and making some pretty rash challenges. But he 
and the rest of the Juventus midfield seemed bound and determined to not let another goal like that slip in. By virtue of that, they were able to get in some chances on goal against the run of play. So the game plan started to work in their favor after that goal. I agree. Yeah, and, and Pogba and Tevez and Morata, you know, they all looked good. Maybe about 30, 40 minutes into the game, they started to get a little bit of possession. I mean, do they obviously... You know, playing against Barcelona, you're never going to get the majority of possession. But they had opportunities, and, and they made chance. Like, I loved watching Pogba play, and I wish that, you know, like you said, I wish I had Goal TV or or remembered which channel uh, <laughs> Serie A was on because I really enjoyed watching him in this game. You know, he's a really tall uh, guy. I mean, I think he's a cool-looking dude. Like, there's no <laughs> ifs, ands, or buts about it. He just looks cool. That hair, the whole vibe, he's just like a big dude and he has that um very effortless athletic way of moving yeah he's he's quick he can hold up the ball he can sprint by players he's he seems like a real playmaker i'd be interested to see if he's going to stick around you know i mean he's he's got arsenal written all over him he's kind of like a he's he's a, a big young athletic striker but you're never quite sure if he's going to be able to hold the ball at his feet or not so um like uh, he could be great or he could be terrible at any given moment. I'm going to say something controversial here, but as, you know, an Arsenal supporter, I don't want to see them sign Pogba. Why is that? I want I want Theo Walcott as the forward and yeah. I want the midfield built around him because I think they look so much better with him and Sanchez as kind of like a one-two duo attacking. I'm not going to argue with you on this one, Justin. I don't want us to get too sidetracked here. <laughs> All right, well, then let's get back to the game. Let's talk about Juventus's Juventus, Juventus. How would you? <laughs> this is confusing. Juventus's. <laughs> Juventus's. People, um, often, people often are afraid of, of adding a possessive S after another S, but don't be afraid. It's perfectly grammatically correct. I'm still going to be a little fearful. So I'm just going to say, how did you feel about the opponent's response in the 55th minute, getting an equalizer and bringing it 1-1? Well, we hinted, we hinted upon it, uh, we hinted at it earlier uh, when we were excited about ex-Man City player Carlos Tevez being back on our TV screens. And I kept waiting for him to grow in the game and really show himself. And uh, that goal was by far, in a way, the most beautiful goal that was scored in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Barcelona has a way of making their goals look effortless and thereby taking away from some of their beauty. But from uh, Marquisio's back heel to the way that um, Tevez received that ball, the, the crossed-in ball and turned it, uh, in that one effortless motion. Mm. I mean, I was certain that Tevez was going to bury that in the lower corner, but then it was deflected right to the goal scorer. What's his What's his name? Um, uh, Alvaro Morata. Yeah, and he slotted it in. It was It was a thing of beauty. I mean, maybe uh, Ter Stegen could have done a little better with it, but it was a great goal. And from that point on, it it was such a game on sort of a goal. Uh, by that point. Juventus had grown so much into the game that it didn't feel like it was against the run of play. Yeah. Or I mean, that Barca or that Barcelona was going to respond immediately. I don't think there was any way Ter Stegen can can do any better than making that first save because just the way that he was positioned, diving to his left, 
you know, maybe if he would have punched the ball out just a little bit, I mean, that all comes down to luck and yeah. and how the ball bounces. Yeah, e- easy for us to say, right? Murata was right there, basically with a wide open net, and like you said, that back heel was beautiful. I mean, I really should. I only watched that goal live, but I should go back and watch it again because now that you're describing it to me, it was definitely one of the more attractive sequences of the game. Well, yeah, it was. It was the one sequence that Juventus pulled out where you're like, oh, whoa, this is a team that got to the final of the Champions League. This is a team that has won, what, like 25 league titles in Serie A. Mm-hmm. Um, you were like, yeah, oh, I get it. They showed their class there, and it sort of just legitimized the entire proceedings. Yeah, it was definitely their best chance, but they had a few They had a few other opportunities that I thought were pretty intriguing. I mean, they kind of, you know, they had an itchy trigger foot, if you will, and, and <laughs> yeah, took, a, lot, took of a lot of shots from, from 30 yards. Field. Yep. Um, and I don't think they they had a chance for those at all. I mean, I'm sure Barcelona. Well, there was one. There was one look that Carlos Tevez got l- late in the game, like somewhere in the 80th minute or something like that, where you'd seen him strike that ball into the upper 90 numerous times, and he just launched it over the crossbar. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way their their luck was, I guess, through the whole game. Yeah, and and they weren't getting a lot of calls either. I mean, Pogba basically. I don't know if it was a penalty, but he got pulled down a couple of times in pretty dangerous locations that weren't uh, awarded by the referees. Yeah, there was one I you're probably thinking of that I'm thinking of, too, where he was kind of pulled down by Mastriano. And, um, yeah, it was debatable. I think ultimately it probably was the right decision to not give it. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And they the announcers made a point of saying this on the broadcast, but that you know referees are pretty hesitant to pull out the red card or to do yeah. too much carding in a big final, which I, I, I definitely agree with that sentimentality. The calls that were the most troublesome, Justin, were how many fouls were Barcelona given just because Neymar did not two but three somersaults after <laughs> being touched on his oh-so-delicate tailbone? I mean, you remember the World Cup. His tailbone took uh, took quite a beating from, what was it, against Colombia, I think? A defender in Colombia? Was it Uruguay? One of those. Colombia? Yeah. I think it was Colombia. Yeah. We'll have to go back to the videotape. <laughs> Listen, it's a testament to how much of a douche Neymar is that the guy <laughs> um, legitimately broke his back in the World Cup, and I still have, uh, I still have no pity for him. He he and Suarez both uh, were just were milking it the entire game. Suarez was feeling his back like he was the one who had broken his back in the World Cup. Brandon, I'm gonna have to cut you off here because what you don't know is that I am I was actually this close to inking a deal with both Neymar and Luis Suarez to sponsor the big game that it really would have set us up for life to run this <laughs> podcast, but you've you've kind of completely buried that chance out right now. Well, once you get the check in the mail that I'm writing, Justin, you'll you'll forgive me. Um, but let's let's talk about this fearsome trio of Barcelona. I mean, when we watched the game back in February, you know, I think Barcelona still looked a little iffy at that point. They weren't, you know, Suarez had still, you know, only been with the team for a couple of months, had missed a few of the opening months. Um, and they were, I think they were still finding a rhythm to their offense. But now they just look unstoppable, completely, absolutely unstoppable. How many more trophies can we expect from the trio of Messi, Suarez, and Neymar at FC Barcelona? Uh, a lot, I assume. Um I guess the question mark for me is how the midfield continues to evolve at Barcelona. 
with any with Xavi retiring or at least leaving Barcelona, that leaves Iniesta, who is clearly not far behind Xavi. It remains to be seen uh, who'll take their place. I guess Messi is kind of dropping back deeper into the midfield and will start to provide that service, mm-hmm. uh, which you know is great. Like that means more trophies, definitely. <laughs> but that. That that would be the one and only question mark I have. I mean, people like to slag off on Barcelona's defense, but uh, I don't see it. They look fine to me. PK looks as young as ever and was still their their shining defensive light, still even making runs into the offensive box. He looked great. So I think their defense will grow and be better. Their strikers clearly don't need any convincing and it's it's just the midfield how the midfield will continue to evolve yeah and and Rakitic seems to have proven himself this season so it's it's really just a matter of maybe finding one other veteran guy to slot in there veteran youngster with some experience to kind of you know not have the not have the enough of an ego about it to you know make sure that he's providing that service to the lethal trident of Barcelona I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's Barcelona. They've probably got like 10 guys just waiting in their <laughs> youth camp to to do it. And like you said, Danny Alves and Jordi Alba looked great going forward. I mean, they just they seem to be so dangerous of uh, wingbacks. Oh, yeah. Danny Alves is very, really difficult for me to watch because there's something about his uh, like evil Cobra Kai charisma that um, <laughs> just repels me but the way he plays is just it you can't argue he's he's total class and he had a great game i thought yeah i mean stupid haircut great game (laughs) it's not as bad as i think the haircut he sported in the last round which was like uh just like a circular knot on the top of his head (laughs) Uh uh-huh yeah i'm sure he's had worse yeah Um, oh by the way speaking of haircuts what what was up with Messi's haircut? Like he looked like he was going for like Shep from the Three Stooges. It was <laughs> it, it was just mind blowing. He was okay. sort of like, give me barber, give me a haircut that will make me look like a moron. You know, I think it looked uh, very modern at the beginning of the game, kind of when it's like perfectly styled, uh-huh. uh, and then just kind of like as you play a full ninety minute soccer match and you you know do things like sweat and get your hair messed up. <laughs> Um, it, it, it did look a little bit like Mo. Sure enough, he needs to get some gel. I mean, <laughs> this is one thing to praise Suarez for. Like, the guy just has a normal haircut. It's very utilitarian. Yeah, and and Neymar, for all of his flamboyance, usually those things, you know, usually his mohawk looks pretty great. Yeah, I, I guess. it's he, he, he needs to go a little straighter down the center. It's creeping out to the sides a little too much for me. Maybe it was all about the hairstyles. Maybe Juventus needed to kind of bring a little bit better of a of a barber game to this. I mean, Pogba Pogba was doing all the heavy lifting there. I mean, Vidal he tried, but he was basically doing what like Xavier McDaniel's from nineteen ninety, whatever. <laughs> I was gonna say he looks a little bit like uh, the the mohawk that Mario Balotelli was sporting for a while. Yeah. Yeah, these these guys just have a little too much time on their hands. All right, well let's let's save the rest of this for our podcast about um, haircuts. Yes, <laughs> where where do you think Juventus goes from here? Uh, you know, I guess we covered it a little bit at the beginning, but you know, do you, do you think this is a team that's gonna? I mean, was this a lucky run that they had here in their Champions League draw, um, or do you think they're the real deal and we'll see them back here this time next year? 
Okay, so this is like the uh, only game. Okay, so I watched, I watched the Juventus game where they won their league title this season out of the corner of my eye at the bar while watching some Premier League games. So mm-hmm. this is the only full Juventus game that I've watched. But okay, judging by their lineup, Pirlo and Buffon, like those those guys, like they have to they have to go out. This is got to be the high note for them to go out on yeah I think whether so. they retire or whether they go to a different league um and then there's carlos tevez who past his prime yeah maybe he's past his prime and you get the sense that he went to juventus just for a little bit of uh glory before he had to go off to to greener pastures he can't he can't possibly be in it for the long haul and then you've got guys like pogba and vidal they're Pogba Premier League. Is, That's all they are. Yeah, I mean, Pogba's got to be worth so much money to Juventus right now, uh, and one would guess that they'd try and just sell him off and make that money. So Juventus could probably sell half their team and still uh, fix every match in the next season of Serie A, <laughs> win the title. Um, so I don't think they have much to lose, and. This was a great match for Juventus to get back into that global spotlight. I mean, there was a time when Juventus was always the favorite to be in the Champions League final and and to win it. So I think just them getting back into the final is probably good enough for the the short term. I think I'm going to have to put a lawyer on retainer just for your episodes, Brandon. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you should get a guy who wears all denim um, <laughs> just to stand beside you with a very colorful watch, and he can tell you uh, when to mute me and when not to mute me. <laughs> well, so I know you're not the biggest MLS fan, but you know, seeing as you are a New Yorker, and, there, and the rumors are that Andrea Pirlo is coming to New York City FC this summer, do you care? Can you get excited about it? Or is this just another you know, retirement move that, as an MLS you know part-time fan we should just write off yeah it's a little of both right i mean pirlo is great and he's one of those guys that could thrive in mls because he has great touch and he doesn't like to run very much (laughs) so he can just sit um you know outside of the 18 yard box and dictate play and judging by the size of that field at yankee stadium for nycfc he could be just taking curled benders (laughs) from all over the place um, so I think it would be fun and it would be a cool move for him. But yeah, MLS, I'm sure a lot of people are thinking this. MLS has to be careful about how much they weight that league toward, you know, that NASL, New York Cosmos um, yeah, I agree. sort of I think, style that fizzled out. I think it's a terrible idea. I mean, it's a great idea for Pirlo, collect a paycheck, whatever. But, you know, in, in the modern MLS speed kills, and if you put that guy in a midfield with Frank Lampard, they're mm-hmm. they're done. They're already <laughs> the worst team in the league, and they will continue to sink further if Pirlo is anchoring their midfield with Frank Lampard. They're just too old and too slow, and they're just going to get bruised and burned by quicker teams. And we're both U.S. fans, and with the American soccer base becoming more enthusiastic and more educated, I think it's a, it's going to be... A, very soon from now where fans are going to see through these bringing these international stars into the teams where they're just going to say, I don't want to see this. I want to see the young American stars who are going to be playing for our national team sooner rather than later. So uh, forget the Pirlos, forget the Lampards. 
more mixed disc group. I mean, I, the, I absolutely. I, as an American fan, I'm terrified to see Lampard and Pirlo come into this and throw Discarude off to the side or onto the bench. Well, what's know. amazing about Discarude is he is one of those players that is infinitely better with their national team than he is on their club team. I've watched <laughs> a handful of NYCFC games this year, and he is just, he's not been there. He got pulled off of the game against the New York Red Bulls about 50 or 60 minutes into it. And I don't know if it's just the lack of quality with his teammates, and he's used to, you know, playing with a uh, slightly higher caliber. Fabian Johnson, baby. Listen, listen, it doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, I lost my point there. Uh, but Well, Dis- about- yeah, Discord, he's, he, he wears the number 10 for both teams. You, you know, you can't just put on the number 10 and not deliver. Yeah, it's true. So let's close this out with, you know, your specialty in soccer and football, which is the Premier League. Next season in the Champions League, do you see... Any of the uh, the entrants from the Premier League making it to the semifinals or the finals next season? Mm, it's a good question. I mean, you have to put your money on Chelsea. Jose Mourinho has been there. He's done that. And Chelsea is hungry to make that leap. I'm kind of surprised that Chelsea didn't go further in the Champions League. Well, let me let me tell you what I my my theory on why they didn't make it any further is, you know, they kind of transitioned from a high-flying offense uh, early in the season where they kind of ran away with the league and, and scored a lot of amazing goals. And then they kind of, you know, by the like the last half of the season, they really ground it down to a very defense-first, get-behind-the-ball, defend, and, you know, execute, win one nothing. And I think that Sounds works. a little bit like how Hillary Clinton lost her presidential bid to Obama. <laughs> True. Well, and I just don't think that if, if they continue to take that philosophy into the Champions League, they're eventually going to get burned. Whether they, you know, whether they survive a, a couple of the knockout rounds is great, but eventually you go up against Real Madrid or Barcelona or Bayern Munich and they're going to cut them to pieces and they're going to win just, just like they got knocked out you know, this season. Yeah, they are definitely a couple world-class offensive talents shy of making that leap. Like Willian and Oscar are not going to cut it clearly um quadrado that that guy just looked awful whenever the chelsea brought him in Mm -hmm. um but lionel messi this is what i was thinking about before we recorded this lionel messi is like the lebron james of world football right now Mm -hmm. so lebron james started at cleveland and he left cleveland because he wasn't winning anything and he went to miami heat where he won everything so, but but LeBron is born and bred in Cleveland. So Messi is basically Technically born in Akron, but I <laughs> sure, sure. Wherever they manufacture tire rubber, I'm sure he's <laughs> from there. Um, but Messi is a product of Barcelona, and he's been he's stayed there always. So he's kind of like he's kind of like the LeBron if LeBron had been born and raised in Miami and played at Miami. But it, there would come a point where people would lose interest in LeBron winning things with the Heat. And it would be so awesome if LeBron then moved to Cleveland and took this this uh, weird franchise, the Cavaliers, to the NBA Finals. So what? this is all a long way of me saying, wouldn't it be awesome if Messi just said, you know what, Barcelona, thanks for all the memories. I'm going to the Premier League, and I'm going to make some hot, sexy football for all the Premier League fans, and I'm going to help Chelsea win the Premier League. 
or so, the Champions League. That's that, I guess that was going to be my follow up question. You're, you're you're saying you go to Chelsea and not say oh Leicester City or Stoke. I mean, I understand that Chelsea doesn't have the same kind of bucks that uh, Bournemouth has, or maybe Watford. Watford um, would be a great one. It would be. I mean, I could see that. I mean, moves. I think I think he uh, needs some bruisers around him to kind of keep him on his feet. Frankly, well, he has that Championship League mentality um, because he never goes down at a tackle. He never dives. He's always looking <laughs> to be first to the ball. I could see it. I could totally just see him going to play for Leeds United and say, you know what, I don't need trophies. Yeah, you know what he should really do. What he should really prove is he should go down to like the fourth division of English football and just put a team on his back and take them all the way up to the Premier League and then win a Champions League final with, say, uh, Charlton Athletic. I don't know what division there is. <laughs> forgive, forgive me, fans of the fourth division and Charlton <laughs> Athletic. It's it's really easy to say, well, let's just put Messi on whatever team we want to win the uh, Champions League final. That's pretty easy. I think there are probably uh, cheaper ways and um, more elegant ways to do it. And Chelsea surely has the scouting capacity to find some younger players that are playing in Portugal or Italy or Spain and to make that team. Uh, Quadrado being the exception there. Uh, Manchester United, to get back to your earlier question, I mean, they're just lucky to be back in the Champions League next season. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm still amazed that they made it to fourth place. Yeah. Uh, they they could be a team reborn at the start of next season. You sort of have to wait and see. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, but they do look like they're a bit of a mess. Sort of a throw everything at the wall and see if Di Maria sticks. And it, <laughs> it's, it's kind of not working. And then you have Manchester City, which it's hard to say what shape that team is going to be in next year, who their manager might be. Without James Milner, I wouldn't give any team a chance. Because, <laughs> you know, he was he's uh, now transferred to Liverpool. And, and they probably won't have uh, Frank Lampard back on loan from NYCFC. They won't have Lampard to kick around anymore. <laughs> and let's see, that leaves us with uh, Arsenal. Yes, Arsenal. I don't know, Arsenal. There's your wild card. They're they're looking good. They're looking sexy. As long as they don't get drawn against Bayern Munich in the first knockout round, I'm I'm great. I will agree with that prediction. Wild card <laughs> prediction. Let's see Arsenal make it to the semis. Yeah. I would love to see Chelsea play Arsenal in the semis. That would be let let's let's pray for that. Okay. From uh from your mouth to uh the football gods ears. To Sepp Blatter's ears. Yes, exactly. All right, Brandon. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking about the Champions League final. And I'm sure we'll have you back in just a few short months to talk about the Premier League debut. I look forward to it. Thanks a lot, Justin. All right. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Big Game. If you haven't yet, subscribe on iTunes. Check out our new website, biggamepod.com. Listen to all of our previous episodes, including part one and part two of European Football Trophy Week here on the Big Game Podcast. That's the FA Cup and the Copa del Rey Finals. Follow us on Twitter at Big Game Pod. Stay up to date on the hashtag BGOTD, that is Big Game of the Day, and let us know what you think. Finally, as I said at the top of the show, stick around later in this week. We're going to bring you coverage of the Summer X Games. And next week, we'll get around to this riveting NBA Finals between the Golden State Warriors and LeBron James.
Cleveland Cavaliers. So stay tuned for more next time on the Big Game Podcast. Mm-hmm.